Good morning, brothers and sisters. Wish we could be together today, face to face. But as Dr. Fauci said, I guess just very recently, we're not quite to halftime yet. So I want to encourage you not to grow weary. Uh, when we get back together face to face, it is going to be all the more sweet. So I also wish, just because of the tone of of this week and where we're headed, that we could be together. So, um, but I would like to ask you to join me in this, you know, even at a distance. So let's think today about the death and loneliness that the world is experiencing right now. Uh, one of the most disturbing images I have seen is, is that forklift truck that is carrying bodies up into the back of a refrigerator truck, which is a temporary morgue. And just in my mind's eye, I, I didn't see a video of this, but just picturing that truck just going back and forth, and this time with a grandmother, and this time with a friend, and, and then again with somebody's parent. People are dying, and this is a really sobering moment in the life of our uh, nation and the whole world. Death has come on us like a plague, and one of our local Roanoke officials described it this way. He said, the whole world literally needs our prayers right now. Things are so bad in Spain that the medical workers are considering themselves medical kamikazes, trying to redeem that language, I think. They have very limited PPE. He went on to say they have very limited PPE and patients are on the floors in every conceivable spot because they ran out of beds long time ago. The corridors have two tape lines just wide enough for a stretcher and the sick are laying on both sides, some of them in the very clothes they came in with. And... We need to feel the weight of this brokenness this week. We need to feel the weight of this. It's like something out of the Middle Ages. It, it really is, as he said, horrific. Uh, so, so it's not just that people are dying. The whole world seems to be walking through the valley of the shadow of death right now, and we need to walk there with them. So we are calling the church to lament and mourn to grieve for the families of all who died yesterday, those who will die today, and again tomorrow. And yes, people are dying every day for tragic reasons other than COVID, and we understand that. But let's not miss this opportunity. Why not let this be a season to call the church to bear the burdens of the world, to mourn and bear their sorrow and hopelessness? Jesus did, not, uh, Jesus did not just die for our sins. He carried the sorrow of the world on his shoulders as he reversed the curse of death. Therefore, disciples of Jesus don't just shake off the world's sorrow and say, that's their problem. No, it, it is our problem. And so we are dedicating a week to lament and mourn for the world. And I can't think of a better week, a more fitting week, than Holy Week to do this. So we wanna invite you to bear the world's sorrow with us. Let me talk a little bit about how lament works. Uh, before we, uh, Bobby read Lamentations 3, and we're gonna get into that, but before we do, let me explain how lament works in the Bible. 
Lament is a unique form of prayer. And what makes it unique is that through lament, you voice the hopelessness of the situation, either for yourself or for someone else. Lament is what makes it legal to come to God with a complaint, but not your average complaint. Lament is, is informed by God's sovereignty. And it's really more about honesty and authenticity than it is complaining. So you will hear things like this in the Psalms, how long, O Lord? Or God, you know my sadness, you, you've collected my tears in a bottle, Psalm 56. Biblical lament speaks to God's desire for authenticity in worship. No experience in life is too difficult to be brought to him. Life, of, life is full of sadness and sad moments, just like what's happening right now. And we need to let that intersect with our faith and let our faith really come alive. One of the criticisms of students and 20-somethings as they graduate and make their way into the world is that the church lacks authenticity. If all we do is sing happy and upbeat songs in church, we're sending a seriously mixed message about how to view life in a broken world. We should be allowed to come to church. This is, this is, what, this is one of the things your neighbors are struggling with. We should be allowed to come to church sad. We should be allowed to come to church depressed. We should be allowed to come to church without feeling judged by Pollyanna, who may know very little about gospel hope because she knows very little about deep brokenness. But God knows, God knows, and God knows that the full range of human emotion needs to be included in his whole counsel to us, and so he's included lamentations. He's included in the Psalms, and up to a third of the Psalms have rich lament in them. And, and so lament is, lament is essentially a poem or a song that's crafted under the inspiration of God's Spirit to express grief and frustration at the brokenness of the world. Even in situations where we're not directly responsible or culpable, um, lament is a way to pray about the darkness that's surrounding you. It's an act of faith where we discover that God is our only hope. Sometimes after pleading, sometimes after complaint, sometimes after silence. But lament always lands somewhere. Lament always lands in in hoping in God who is faithful. Um, the Lord himself is my portion. His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. That's where lament ends up taking us. So lament, uh, it gets us to the right place, but it gets us there in a different way than just praying, God, will you fix this? And so we, we really want to think well about, about lament. Now, if you'll join me in chapter one, uh, so I'll take a minute here and let you find chapter one, verse one of Lamentations. We're gonna get to chapter three, but let, let me start you in, in verse one of chapter one because I think it really helps us to connect with this moment. Verse one, how lonely sits the city. How lonely sits the city that was full of people. How like a widow she has become. She who was great among the nations. She who was a princess among the provinces. She's become a slave. 
how lonely sits the city. A city that was once bustling with life is now empty and lonely. A city that was once full of gardens is now desolate. The city's like a forsaken widow with nobody to comfort her. You feel the loneliness and isolation of that. It's so timely for us to, to hear the, the beginning of this first lament. Um, Lamentations was written so that Israel would never forget their most painful memory when the Babylonian uh, armies came in and destroyed Jerusalem. Never to forget that. Massive death and destruction as a direct consequence of their disobedience and, uh, to, and, and to God and the covenant that he had made with them. To be clear here, uh, I am not suggesting that, the COVID, that COVID-19 is tied directly to any particular nation's sin or disobedience or any particular person's sin or disobedience. But the, the point here is not to interpret why COVID and who's responsible for bringing this plague upon. That's not the point. The point, rather, is to feel the darkness, to mourn the brokenness of this situation, to feel the weight of darkness. We should be praying right now how lonely is the city? We should, be, we should be praying how lonely is New Orleans right now. New York City, Seattle, Madrid. All over the world, cities are lonely in darkness because of this plague. Instead of trying to figure out why, we should be pleading with God and call one another to mourn and feel the weight of the brokenness of the world. We should say, how lonely, how long, O Lord? How long will you let this go on? The writer of Lamentations, probably Jeremiah, invites us to embody a lament, not just for Israel's ruin, like back, way back when, but for all societies that are ruined by the downstream effect of sin and disease and death. We're being invited, scripture is inviting us, the gospel is inviting us in to embody a, a, a lament, to embody, to, to take up this, this brokenness and feel like Jeremiah felt. Uh, the book of Lamentations has five distinct laments. Each chapter is a lament. And this first chapter begins, how lonely sits the city. The writer of Lamentations, probably Jeremiah, invites us to embody a lament. With, uh, not just for Israel's ruin, but for all societies who've been ruined downstream uh, through the effects of sin and disease and death. We are inviting you this week to embody this mournful state, to embody a lament uh, like Jeremiah does in each of these five chapters, which are five distinct laments, we also can voice a profound sense of grief for the dead and all the suffering that is surrounding the world right now. So let's ask God to teach us this week how to lament and mourn. Maybe this is, maybe this is a new idea for you. Um, this is something we we can do, this is something we should do. Look, all right, look with me at chapter three. So let's dig into chapter three and see what it would sound like to offer a lament. So if you pick up with me in verse 17, here's what a lament sounds like. Jeremiah, 
says, I think it's Jeremiah, Jeremiah says, my soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers the bitterness. My soul continually remembers the bitterness and is bowed down within me. It's this this bowed down, um, depressed, overwhelmed and hopeless state. And Jeremiah is feeling that and he says, my soul is bankrupt. I don't have anything in here. I feel empty and lonely like the city that was just destroyed. My soul is bereft of peace. Look back up to verses four, five, and six in the same chapter. Verse four, he's made my flesh and my skin waste away. He's besieged me, verse five. It's like he's, it's like he's taking me captive, just like the destruction of Jerusalem. Verse six, he's made me dwell in darkness like the dead of long ago. It, it's like he's taken me down into Sheol, into a place of the grave, and I'm, I'm overwhelmed with darkness. In lament, you and I put ourselves in that place on behalf of either ourselves or someone else, and we feel the weight of that darkness. We feel the weight of that brokenness. We feel the bankruptcy and emptiness in our hearts and souls. That's what lament sounds like. You say, well, uh, things are not that bad for me right now. Um, So I'm just gonna pray for other people. Well, we're asking you not just to pray for other people, but to feel how bad it is for others, to see it, to feel it, and to somehow even embody it, because I embody it, because I promise you, there is a family member somewhere, or a nurse somewhere, maybe in New Orleans, maybe New York City, uh, maybe in Seattle, who is saying right now, "I am broken and empty." Uh, a medical worker who is saying, "My soul is bankrupt. I'm bereft of peace." We need to take up a lament for them. But even more real to Jeremiah than the wasteland all around him is God himself. So look at this. Verse 21. But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Even more real to Jeremiah than the wasteland all around him is God himself. The darkness is deep and real, and the wound that he's feeling on behalf of his people, right? Like he says in other places, oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears so that I could just weep day and night for my people. Even more real than that. And through the tears of lament, there comes an awareness of who God is and how much hope he brings. So verse 21, he says, but this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of God never ceases. His mercies never end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. That's where lament takes us. Lament takes us out of the darkness and into the light of gospel hope. 
The Lord is my portion. His mercies will be new tomorrow morning. We need to take up this hope-filled lament on behalf of the world this week to bear the sorrows of the world. How else are they going to get to the hope of the gospel? I want to ask you to join me this week with the rest of our pastoral team and and take up a hope-filled lament for the world and for its brokenness. Let's not be disciples, one of our pastors prayed this morning, let's not be disciples who fall asleep in the garden when Jesus, at that very moment, is beginning to bear the sorrows of the world. We can't sleep right now when that's happening. Let's pray and fast this week for those who do not know what's happening. Let's pray and fast this week for those who are having a hard time interpreting the darkness and apart from God's grace, will not look up. They'll only look around. And we want to pray and fast and ask on their behalf, the Father, that they would, they would begin for the first time to look up and to see the hope that God, so, that God gives. So many of you are asking, what can I do right now? I can't go, I can't go to these other places to help. Um, I can't go to Italy, I can't go to Africa, I can't go to Spain, I can't go to China. What can I do right now? Well, of course you can pray, but we're asking you, I think we're asking you to take a, a step beyond that, to pray and to fast and to really feel the brokenness. Don't shake off the world's sorrow and say that's their problem. Let the gospel reverse your thinking. So this week you could... As we, as we move through Holy Week, you could put off self-preservation, put off self-stockpiling, put off feeling good about the fact that the plague hasn't hit our safe little city. We want to put those things off and put on sadness and put on brokenness and put on ashes. We would invite you to fast and pray with us on Wednesday if you're, if you're able. You see in our church-wide email, we've kind of tried to sketch that out for you. Let's find a way to take this call seriously. Fasting will help to deepen our hunger for God and feel the brokenness of a world that is in mourning. Let's take up a lament and grieve for those who have lost grandparents and friends and brothers and sisters. Then on Good Friday, we're gonna, we're gonna put this COVID plague squarely in the context of the cross where the perfectly righteous son of God died to reverse the curse. He even descended to the dead, fully experiencing humiliation of death for all of humanity. Remember, Jesus bought the right to make everything right. I like the way one person put that. Jesus, on Friday, bought the right to make everything right, and he does through his resurrection. The victory of the son of God is beginning right now to make all things new. So we look forward to Easter Sunday, and on Sunday we will rejoice in the victory of the Son of God. We'll place all of our hope and future into the hands, who, into the hands of him who overcame sin and evil and hell and death, and we will say Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. But for those who don't know that and who don't know Christ, we want to pray for them this week. So I want to invite you even right now to join me in praying and 
Let's ask God to help us take up a lament and mourn for those who need gospel hope this week. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you that Jesus bore the sorrows of the world and that that includes us. Would you help us this week to take seriously all that we're seeing around us? Not just to pray that you would fix it, but would you help us to take up a lament, to bear the sorrows of the world? Our neighbors in humanity, not just next door, but our neighbors in humanity that are in cities all over the globe who do not yet know you. God, that somehow the gospel would spread like a more powerful contagion than any virus. Would you bring life out of these moments of death? That is our gospel hope today, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.